Well, good morning, those who are watching online. No, this is not Pastor Dav. This is his father, the other guy. (laughs) Okay, you've had several reviews now. After several reviews, you have to take the test. So it's now time for the test. When do we start our fourth service? Next week. Next week. Okay, now, Saturday night, what time do we meet? Very good. When is the first service on Sunday morning? 8.30. Very good. You can stay for the rest of the service now. <laughs> when is the second service on Sunday morning? Actually, the third service of the weekend. What time? 10, 10 o'clock. Okay. Here comes the big crunch, crunch question now. When is the fourth service of the weekend? 11. Was there debate in the house? What time is it? 11.30. Okay. Now, Friday night is what? First Friday prayer. First Friday prayer. Hey, boy, you guys are good. Now, one last question. When is the annual membership meeting? At what time? Who's welcome? Right. There you go. So we're, we're going to fill this place next weekend every service. We're going to be standing on each other because we have so many people here. And we're going to make the devil mad at us because the church is full of people worshiping the Lord. So I want to just share with you this morning a couple thoughts. This is is kind of a launch. This is another crossing that we're making here at the church. This is another opportunity to reach the community for Christ, opportunity for people to come together to worship the Lord. So I'd like to share with you this morning some thoughts from the book of Joshua. And yes, I just looked over at the musicians and they said, get the mic up close to your face and quit waving it around. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) As we anticipate, let's anticipate with the confidence that our God gives us. Let's anticipate that we will experience not a growth for growth's sake, but a growth for the sake of the kingdom of God. Let us never walk with a a scarcity attitude, like there's only a few people in town to make the church grow, and we want to get them before somebody else gets them. No, no. Everybody who preaches the name of the Lord Jesus, everyone who lifts up the Bible as the word of God, everyone who exercises the experience of the spirit leading their church, may they grow. May they grow exponentially. May may this city be touched by the power and the presence of God. May the words of your pastor as he brought us together for the first time, the vision for 10,000 people saved, baptized in the spirit and coming into the fellowship of the saints. We want to take a lot of people with us when we leave this earth. We want to see all types and races and creeds in the heavens with us. This is an opportunity to reach the community for Christ. Always look at it that way. So really, it is also a battle. Because there is an enemy out there who would love to say to us, ah, give up. You're losing ground. 
Look at the world around you. Well, we do look at the world around us, and we say it's Christ. It belongs to him. And he came and gave his life and blood for that world, and we, by the power of the Spirit, will proclaim the gospel that frees that world from condemnation. So we can celebrate, be happy, and not look goomly because we serve a risen Christ. But we also need to recognize that we are participants in a battle, a battle that is won by the Lord Jesus and by the power of the Spirit, a battle that was won because God so loved the world that he sent and gave his only son. So I want to talk to you a little bit about preparations for a battle today in the book of Joshua. Joshua was the gentleman who took over after Moses. You should be turning to the book of Joshua right now. You'll find it right after Deuteronomy. And if you read back in Deuteronomy, you'll also find that Joshua was commissioned by Moses to lead the people into the promised land. We have a promise from God that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We have a promise from God that all who call upon the Lord shall be saved and he shall abide with them and walk with them and encourage them and strengthen them and watch over them. We have a promise from God that we are not losers, we are winners because Christ has won the battle. We have a promise from God that we do not have to fear what the enemy does around us. We do not have to fear what is going on in the world. We pray about it. We give it to God. At the close of the sermon, I just, I just changed it for the musicians. I'll, it's my responsibility to tell you when the end of the service is because I didn't do it last night, and I will do it correctly this time. I'm going to change something. Yeah. Megan is very kind to this <laughs> person. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua, that name means salvation. It means God's help. That, that name in the New Testament would be spelled J-E-S-U-S. You recognize that name? That's the name that is above every name. That's the name that every knee shall bow to. That is the person. In Matthew 1, it was said to Joseph, you shall call him Jesus and he shall save his people from their sins. I'm one of those people. I've been saved from my sins by the power of the blood and the risen Christ. And I want everybody in this room to experience that same salvation, that same promise, that same experience. Because, my friend, your life is not complete until you know Christ. The tall guy that was up here before me, the one in the blue shirt that led us in a prayer for our world and the conditions of our world, and I thought it was appropriate that he did so. It's good to have a former Marine sergeant who has experienced combat to pray over the enemies of our world. But we're winners, not losers. Deuteronomy told us that Moses was had shown that Joshua would be the new leader. Deuteronomy also told us that he put his hands on him and prayed for him. As we read the beginning of Joshua here, I'm going to read to you just the first couple of verses. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan. Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, 
I'll be with you. I I added that. So there was a promise. This promise had been made to Abram even before he was called Abraham, that this land would be theirs. God has also promised his presence. In verse 9 of that same chapter, he says this, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever, Matthew 28, where Jesus said, I'm with you to the end of the age. Never abandon you. Never, never will never not be there. And it was their land to possess. Interesting thing about possessing that land, it has required them to do a little work. Rarely in involving ourselves or God involving us in his plans does it not require us to do some sort of work. That work may be prayer. That work may be constructing a building. That work may be teaching a class. That work may be showing up and joining with fellow believers as we worship together because there's power and strength in that. Forsake not the assembly together as some have done, but come together, Hebrews Thank you, 1124. <laughs> you want to correct it again? 1024. <laughs> we have participatory preaching in this direction. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. You know, the first thing, as they were on the east side of the Jordan, and this is glaringly obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway because I'm a very simple-minded person. They had to get ready to cross. Anytime you go after something different or new or just simply going to the store, you get ready. And this required getting ready. Later on, you'll see, or if you would read the whole text for yourself, you'll see the term, you have not gone this way before. Well, they'd been out marching around the desert for almost 40 years, so marching wasn't the issue. The, the new way before was crossing the river and, and going in to possess a land, and this was new. Now, when you get ready to possess something, when you get ready for something, you have to do the same thing in the church when you're getting ready to launch something new, something of significance. Since I'm having a nice conversation with the ministers of music, we'll just continue this conversation. Do you have to expand your ministry to facilitate the more services? More people need to be involved. People who have musical ability should step up and say, here I am. Would that not be a good idea? Yeah. Jess is back there with the children. If we add another service, do we add more responsibilities for children? Do we need more people for children? Do we need people to do stuff? Yes. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be shocked at this. You're just going to fall right out of your chair. I have taught every age level in church other than baby nurseries. <laughs> this old guy has taught every level. And you know who the toughest people are to teach? Four and five-year-olds. You got to be tough to teach four and five year olds. 
Okay, now listen, I'll tell you a little secret. Adults, you can get by with a few things. Because with adults, all you got to do is roll an idea out there, and they'll jump all over it, and you can stand back and drink coffee. <laughs> and just give them a sense of direction. Four- and five-year-olds, you better have something to say all the time, because if, they, if you don't, they're going to take over the room. <laughs> and you're going to hide. <laughs> so you got to get ready. Teenagers, got to be ready. Cafe has to be ready. Guess what? The building's got to be clean. Got to be ready. And there better be the right kind of paper in the right kind of room. Otherwise, we're all going to be upset. (laughs) Where's Jay? Jay, financially, we have to be ready. So there's all ways we must be ready. So the leaders, as you'll read in Joshua, went through the camp and said, get ready. Also, they asked that the ark of the Lord be brought out. But one thing before that came out, he, they reminded Joshua again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you, not to turn to its right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Eighth verse, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and have success. Obedience and the word. My goodness, things haven't changed a bit. See, everything before the Joshua, basically everything before that was written down for them. That which the pastor was preaching on the Ten Commandments, that was theirs. So they had knowledge of God, they had the word, they had the experience, and they were to adhere to it and walk with it, and we, there's no difference for us. We have the knowledge of God, we have the experience of his presence, we have his word, we are to walk to it. Well, they were to get ready to go across, and then to go across, they asked that the ark of God be brought out. Now, for those perhaps who are not familiar with that term, the Ark of God was actually a small chest made of acacia wood. The tabernacle in the wilderness was divided basically into two parts. There was the holy place, and then behind a curtain was a smaller place where the Ark of God was, a gold-covered acacia box In it were the Ten Commandments, tablets of stone. On top of it was called the mercy seat. It's where the high priest, I'm going to use it this way, met with God once a year. Over this were two cherubim and their wings touching. When Solomon recreated this in the temple, there was still the same same ark, but the cherubim were much bigger. 
that's really insignificant to what I'm saying now, but just as a matter of history. The ark was to be brought out as they were to go across the river. They were to follow the ark, and the ark, if you put it in feet, was, about, was supposed to be about 3,000 feet ahead of them. I think a mile used to be, at least when I was in school, it was 5,280 feet. So 3,000 feet, we'll call it three-quarters of a mile. Maybe not quite. The ark was holy. It was not to be tampered with, touched. There were very specific regulations regarding the touching, looking, seeing the ark because it represented the presence of God. God met with them, the high priest, at that ark. Hebrews chapter 9 would tell us all the furnishings of the tabernacle, then the temple, spoke of Christ. There was an analogy there of every aspect of that spoke of Christ. There was purpose and meaning and history and instruction in everything there. So who was to go before them into battle? The presence of God. Who will go before us as we launch out another service? The presence of God. Where are we to keep our eyes on the presence of God? That's what's lead. That's where we follow. Oh, yes, we plan. Oh, yes, we do this. All this is necessary. Everything has to be done. But in the end, we succeed when we keep our eyes on God and keep following him. So, get ready. Also, this is a very holy occasion. Coming to church trying to get the kids in the car, trying to remember what you're supposed to have there. If you're a Sunday school teacher or someone with some activity, trying to get the stuff in the car that you're supposed to have when you get to church. So when you get out of the car at church, you think, oh, where is it? On the cabinet at home. (laughs) Been there, done that. You survive. But it's a holy occasion. Now, holy occasions don't always require a black suit and a black tie and a black dress. Holy occasions can be joyous, fun-filled, celebratory, singing. can be a holy occasion. Well, give me an example of that. Okay, how about the birth of the Lord? Angels showed up. People showed up. Guys came from the east a little later. Our pastor has successfully destroyed the myth of only three. Three prominent, but there was an entourage. Holy occasions can be celebrations. We're going to celebrate next weekend. But it's a holy occasion. Now, my next point is the big point. This is, this is big. How many have tried to put the family in the car to go on vacation? And how many times have you had to go back in the house? This leading of the ark, the people, the thing, the priests were to go first. The priests were come to the Jordan. We'll talk about that in a minute. But do you realize now that 
if you take the latter part of the book of Numbers, about the 29th chapter, and they count the number of soldiers that were available, those of fighting age, those that were in the military. I think it was 623,700, oh, 601,000, pardon me, 601,703. Now, if I'm wrong by a couple, please don't call me this afternoon. <laughs> the point is 600,000 plus. Then the Levites were numbered separately, and there were about 23,000 of them. Now, the Levites ministered from one age up to about 55. I'm really confused why I'm standing up here. <laughs> That's an inside joke. you got to figure it out. Anyway, so there's 600 and almost 25,000 men there. No reflection, ladies. There's no mention of them being counted. But let's make an assumption that many of those men were married. Fair assumption? Not exaggerating. Let's also make a fair assumption that there might have been some children running around. Fair assumption? So there weren't 364 people standing on the shore going across the other side. There's probably a million plus people there. Others have estimated two to three million. I won't go that far, but that doesn't mean I'm right and they're wrong. I'm just looking at these numbers saying, well, I'm safe saying a million people. Nobody's going to throw their songbook at me, but we don't have those anymore, so I'm safe. <laughs> so there's a million people have to go across this river to go into the land of promise. Miracle of miracles are going to get all these people to move in the same direction at the same time. And if you've ever organized anything, that is a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> They're going to cross. The priests are to lead. The priests are to walk toward the river. If we read on, you'll find that the river is at flood stage. It's not... It's not a creek. It's a river at flood stage. They're to walk toward the river, the priests, and the people are to follow, what, 3,000 feet so they can see the leading of God ahead of them. And then the priests are to come to the river. When they come to the river, when they stand in the water, the river stops, spread. Somebody over here just spread their hands apart. <laughs> yes, it did. It spread. Actually, it walled up on this side, and this side flowed away. You want me to make you a little corny analogy? Here it comes. Are you ready for it? If you want to experience an act of faith, you got to be willing to get your feet wet. you got to step out. The river didn't, that river didn't stop until they put their feet in the water. Not everyone, just the priest. But somebody had to ex exercise the obedience to God and step out in faith at a flood stage, and they, they watched the miracle take place. If we're waiting for a miracle, we can wait forever unless we're willing to step out in faith and if I may say it, get the feet wet and see what God will do. Because everyone behind them was also exercising faith because there was a nice big wall of water there. And they're hoping that thing held because, you know, there wasn't 325 people walking across there. There was a whole lot of people walking across there. 
Now, I would imagine that there's also livestock walking across there. And somebody in that crowd has got little Leroy who loves to sit him on the ground and go that way when everybody else is going that way. Come on, if you've had children in your house, unless they're more perfect than mine, that'll happen. I know the man who stands here on Sunday was a perfect child. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be tall and good looking. Anyway. <laughs> oh, he's going to love me for this. <laughs> he was a great son. I'm, we, Glory and I, are very pleased and proud of all of our children. That's not why you came here today to hear me say that, but I'll just say that parenthetically. Come on now. Yes, I picked on him, but you've heard him pick on me, especially sing my little NASCAR songs that he does every now and then, or other things. Lest we forget, everybody moving the same way, everybody acting out of faith, They were also told to consecrate themselves. What does that mean? That means to take a moment and appear before your God, to humble yourself before your God, to ask for his help and his guidance, to admit the fact that in and of yourself you are really not capable of all this, but by his strength you can take on Whatever. You can move mountains figuratively. Let me just interrupt here, my friend. If you're facing something that is just staggering you, don't call the finance company. Get on your knees first. See what God will do. If you're facing another issue, Get on your knees and find there are people in this body who can help you with a lot of issues. I'm looking at you, Dr. John. There are people who struggle with addictions of many kinds. There's opportunities in this body to come to a class and talk about that and look at that enemy in the eye and overcome in the grace and strength of God. Lauren, you lead a group of prayer. You're over, oversight of the prayer. Things have moved. Insurmountable things have moved because people prayed. So we pray. Never discount what the worship in music does for the soul. Never discount how that lifts. You know this. You know this better than I do. I'm just looking at you and repeating what I hope is satisfactory the way I'm saying it. Music lifts the soul. Even guys that sound like a sick frog when they sing. That's probably insulting the sick frog. Soul is lifted when we sing. My friend, this is a house of help. This is a house of safety. And all we want to really do is just make it more available. We have the message of promise and hope. So they were told to sit them, consecrate themselves, sit themselves aside, look to the Lord. 
He's going to win the battle, but we're going to participate. And when we participate, we need to be tuned in, if I may put it that way, and listen to our God. So whether you get ready, they get everyone going in the same direction, they cross the river, they're on the other side. There's been several acts of obedience and faith right there. And they haven't even lifted a sword to conquer the land yet. So our walk with the Lord, as we anticipate as we move forward, is, is always dependency upon him, but always we are participating. The possession of the land was going to be by his strength and power, but they and we are always involved. 2 Corinthians tells us that unto us was given the word of reconciliation. We have the responsibility and the authority to deliver the word of reconciliation. Michael, I cannot save anyone, but I can share the message of salvation. And the Holy Spirit will make it real. Because imperfect Jim needed a savior. But Jim, declared righteous by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, can share the knowledge of the Savior. And he's given us that, well, responsibility, but also privilege. One other little point. You're going to get out early. That's not the point. I just, I just mentioned that. <laughs> Joshua 5. The 13th verse. They're on the other side of the Jordan. They have yet to deal with Jericho. But in the 13th verse, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or our enemies? The answer of this individual with a drawn sword standing there was, drum roll, neither. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're standing there with a sword. You're very imposing. I'm afraid of you. I don't know why, but I am. And I ask if you're for us or against us, and you say neither. I think the old authorized version, King James Version, says no. <laughs> and that's probably a better translation. As we read on, we see that he's standing on holy ground. I personally think, with many others, and I don't claim to be an authority here, this is the pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, the captain of the Lord's army. This was God himself standing there in the person of this angel, who looked like an angel, let me put it that way, with a sword drawn. 
Joshua says, whose side you on? He says, nobody's, neither. What's the point? <laughs> Folks, if we're going to move forward, we best be on God's side. I love people who say God's on my side. Well, that's true because he is your constant companion. He's with you always, so forth, so forth, so forth. But watch that God's on my side. You don't dictate to him what he's going to do. You do what he says. And you move forward. So they have a promise. The land is yours. I'll provide for you. I'm with you. Now go possess it. My friends, you may. My friends, we stand with an opportunity to be a blessing to our community. Let us take our opportunity that God gave us and the strength and the power of the Lord move forward and conquer the land, salvation of souls, Allowing and expressing a way for people to come to the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And celebrate God's great victory as he allows us to participate with him. Fair enough? I want us to sing together and then I want to come back and have a word of prayer with you. And then I'm going to ask you to do something. And now you can ponder that while they lead us. do something with me the first battle of the possession of the land was at what city 
Jericho. Before the walls came tumbling down, what happened? They shouted. So from the bottom of your socks, I want you to shout hallelujah. And I'm going to have Megan lead us because my voice is going south. <laughs> so on the count of three. One, two, three. Hallelujah! And the walls came tumbling down. The enemy is defeated because Christ is the Lord. Amen and amen. God bless you. In Jesus' name, go be nice to somebody. Amen. Amen. God bless.